Hello and welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows, one of the shows that we have up on air and online, running 24-7 on our radio loop. That's the, um, that's the link that has a copy of this show running quite literally in a loop that you pick up at any point that you, uh, wherever it is when you hit the link. Where's the link? Well, I think you know that as well. It's over at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. Of course, you can listen to this show as a podcast just as well. Uh, and both of those links are at www.centerlefttalkradio.com. In fact, when you hit that link, the aforementioned, uh, it will take you to the homepage of Center Left Radio. And there are two links there right at the very beginning. You can't miss them. It's right where you wind up. Choose one or the other. You obviously have if you're listening to us, and clearly you are listening to us right now. So uh, enjoy us any way you like, uh, sort of with a legacy sense of, uh, you know, diving in and, and, and figuring out what's going on wherever in the show the link takes you when you hit it, or the uh, what's becoming, I guess, the more traditional way now, uh, going and starting from top. Uh, from the top, uh, using the podcast, wherever. You're with us right now, and there's a lot to talk about, as, as you well know. Um, we were going to do, I, I, I announced last week that uh, we were going, last Friday as a matter of fact, we, we have not done a show since last Friday. I'll, let, let, let me explain why for those of you who, uh, well, who were anticipating as I had advertised that we were going to do a, um, a Noble Hearts Forum somewhere in the earlier in the mid somewhere between last Friday and today today is Friday March the 4th somewhere between our last uh, our last show last Friday and today uh, there was to be a noble hearts forum a number of things came up people were in different locations uh, some of them in Europe some of them in Eastern Europe uh, as a matter of fact and and uh, unable to um, to find their way to a location where there was not so much secure, I guess, as dependable uh, internet. Um, one of those things, now I'm not sure that this has to do with the Russian invasion of Ukraine specifically, but it un invariably it brings it to mind when you think about uh, things that are uh, questionable, things that are not... Uh, uh, dependable, anything that can go wrong, there, there will be this tendency, I will have this tendency, let me not put it in, in sort of abstract terms, I and I'm sure others uh, will kind of find themselves thinking, geez, does this have to do with something that's going on with the Russian invasion? Uh, something that Mr. Putin, another of Mr. Putin's either intended or unintended, most likely unanticipated, most likely not really thought out carefully consequences, uh, and part of this larger 
more frightening scenario that he has unleashed something that now will take on a life of its own that he he never really had control he had imaginary control over what he thought he was doing based on a scenario that never really seemed to begin to congeal from the very very beginning and now we're watching it uh, take on, uh, it has a life of its own. It, it's, it's simply going to go in whatever direction it's going to go. And we are all sort of watching, watching and waiting, or no, maybe that's not what we're doing. We're, we're, we're watching and anticipating and, and trying to uh, react, trying to get a step ahead of... Again, things that we would never have imagined 10, 11, 12 days ago are, are on a day-by-day -day basis becoming part of planetary thought process, I would go so far as to say. The, the very act of the invasion of a sovereign country in the year 2022, the replication of a process that 80 years ago led to a world war, and, and so obviously doing it, and doing it so clumsily, one would say. Uh, there, there's, no, there's no clean way to simply do what I think Mr. Putin had in mind. God knows what he really had in mind. But it seemed to have been, I'm simply going to take the place over. They're going to basically fall at my feet when I send my kids, my little troopies in and everything, and my apparently more and more apparently not so well-trained troops. And we're just going to take everything over, and it'll be fine, and I'll get rid of Zelensky's government, I'll install my own, and Russia will essentially have more than just Crimea and a few little territories there on the eastern and southern flank, and we'll basically have the entire country. And it'll just sort of happen because the Ukrainians want us, don't they? And he was wrong on every count. Did he know he was wrong on every count? Well, here, here's two ways of looking at this. If he was wrong on every count then because he, he believed that the scenario I just gave you, then he is one of the worst strategic planners uh, possibly, or has become one of the most, one of the worst strategic planners everywhere. Uh, Putin, of course, has always held the reputation, mostly garnered and, and, and pumped up by Trump and his, and his sycophants, that he's brilliant, thoughtful, can handle any situation. But but this would seem to belie all of that, what's happened here. The other possibility is that Putin did realize just what a disaster this would be or, or how much this would be a messy situation and said, screw it, I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Now, military analysts look at this and say, no, this is such a sloppy job, and so many Russian kids are, are, are dying uh, as they attempt to fight their way through Ukraine, and, and so much is happening with stalled uh, columns of everybody, and, and no one's taking into account the possibility of, of, of insurgent forces surrounding the Russians later on, and this is not going to be just topple a government and everybody smiles and salutes Putin. No, this is going to be a, an ongoing 
insurgency. It, anyone who would basically walk into that, knowing that that's the way this was going to go, has got to be out of their bloody skull to begin with. Oh, yeah, and there's going to be all these sanctions, and there's going to be money withheld, and there's going to be—the the entire planet is going to become an anti-Russian uh, planet, and we are going to be isolated, and we are going to be culturally and financially and educationally and technologically just forced into our own little box, and there's going to be nowhere—really to not much of a way to get out, not so much because we can't let ourselves— out, but because basically there's no, there's all a Russian craft had been eliminated from fly space over the EU and over the United States. You did, did Vladimir anticipate all of that? Did he know that it was coming? Did could any of us have foreseen this incredible planetary reaction to what? Russia has done here to this to this unthinkable horrible thing that has happened and and I, I wonder if we're not surprising ourselves if America and Europe are not I mean Germany which it, which had been neutral forever and ever and ever relative to anything to do with Russia with the with the pipeline the gas pipeline coming through and everything else suddenly, instantaneously, heads, cranks up their military spending to 2%, something that Trump was, was, you know, railing against them when he was trying to break down NATO and get rid of NATO and all those other things. Thank God that didn't work. These changes, the, this, this notion of unification, this, this NATO coming together, this instantaneous stiffening of the spine, this... this sense day by day that we are watching the destruction of a country and we are so focused on it and so infuriated and and as we keep doing more and more sanctions as there is this we are moving in a direction of in i i feel invariable conflict vladimir putin has done something, and again, I, 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 there's no way I, I can imagine. There's, I, you would have to give him the benefit of pure genius, sick genius, granted, to, to have foreseen what is happening here. But what he has done, certainly with America, and, and we'll get to Europe and the European Union and, and NATO in a moment, but what he's done with America, he has taken... These these loggerhead positions of the ultra left and ultra right, the the insane Trumpist approach to things, and 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 the and the and the polar opposite happening from progressive Democrats, and all of the antipathy and the anger and the mistrust, and and he's given it a focus. <laughs> he's made himself and Russia a literal focus of all of this anger and mistrust and fear and everything else. I, I, I don't know that anyone's quite been talking about it from this perspective, but I can't help but notice it. I, I noticed it in the State of the Union speech the other night. The, the, 
Joe Biden used the first 12 or 14 minutes of a, a roughly a one-hour speech talking about nothing but Ukraine and Russia and the invasion. And there were nothing but standing ovations, unbridled standing ovations throughout the hall. All the Republicans, all the Democrats virtually standing up and applauding. Ukraine and Russia and that whole, that this whole situation has become an emotional focus for releasing so much of this otherwise, uh, I don't want to call it kabuki dance, anger that goes on between uh, Trumpians and, and liberals. It's, it, it, is, it is a place where we can unify, but unify by a release of anger justifiable but but it's 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 turning all this emotion all of this bottled up emotion all these things that we know we're afraid to do full out here in this country we know what would happen if we ever let ourselves go at our one another we know we've had a civil war we know how crazy things can get here and all of that emotion is being turned outward at Russia. And it's not just us. It's, it's Europe. It's, it's NATO. It's, it's all of these tensions that have been building racial tensions and, and, and cultural tensions and all of, the, all of the, 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 the shift towards authoritarianism and all of these fears that we've had going on and all of the, all of the COVID feelings that have been going on and all of, all of that negativity forever and ever, all of these things. And everything, and, and, and Vladimir Putin is allowing himself, he, I, I, unwittingly, I, I have to imagine, but he's made himself a focal point for all of this emotion. He is the outlet. Russia is becoming the outlet for all this emotion that we really had no particular way of releasing until this madman decided that he would invade Ukraine. Now, now that may simply sound like a, a, a nice, you know, a nice thesis, an expletive. Isn't, that's curious. Why, look at that. We're, we're, the world is coming together and focusing everything against Vladimir. But there, there's a problem, of course, that comes with that. And the problem is how much, for how long, and how does it end? I'll give you, I'll give you some for instances. Okay, well, wait, not even a for instance. Try, try thinking along these lines. How long can the Russian invasion of Ukraine continue? Well, in, in, if you go by what Putin is suggesting, it'll go until the government in Kiev uh, is toppled, and he installs his own puppet government, which he will allegedly uh, be controlling from Moscow. He will not. Every military analyst has already decided and, and is quite certain that there will be an ongoing insurgency and things will only continue to get uglier. In other words, the initial plan that Putin had can't 
work. Militarily, it's just not possible to do what he might have had in mind from the beginning. I mean, God knows what his mind is. Everybody is saying he's isolated. All the images we have is isolation. Uh, the lie machine is, the, the, the disinformation machine is in full bloom. And we're getting, we're getting the, the split screen disinformation screen flow in a weird way. We're getting it because so much of what was permissible on Facebook and other sources because of everybody's anti-Russian, anti-Putin mode, a lot of that is being pulled away, and it is far easier, it winds up, to just put, here's the Russian misinformation, here's what's going on, and to have both of those sources being filtered through uh, American intelligence sources. That's much of what people are getting about Russia right now. Facebook and many of the other standard misinformation sources, other than Fox News and, and, and I imagine uh, uh, Tucker Carlson and people who seem to be somehow really uh, uh, bought into the whole notion of at least finding a way to still say that, 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 uh, that, that Putin is a brilliant guy, Trump included in all this, but even there, that's, that's, losing, that's losing ground. It's, it's no longer the way in which most people are getting this information. Again, it's, it, it's a building, building, building kind of a thing against the Russians. Invariably, it's bound to happen. It had to happen. This is the way it's going to be. But at some point, this has to stop. Russia cannot remain on the attack in Ukraine forever. We can't keep building up and finding more ways or realizing that we have fewer and fewer ways to let out our emotion, to bring ourselves together and express the absolute vitriolic outrage that we are feeling right now, and the fear and the pain and everything, and of course the anger and, and the sanctions are a way of dealing with our own fear and the whole nuclear threat and everything else that's out there right now. You, you can't keep building this at a breakneck pace and not expect some necks to break. This is what worries me. This is what literally uh, has kept me up for a few nights now, at some point in the night, realizing that this is all going in one direction and the direction isn't good. The direction isn't good for anyone anywhere in the world. And every day brings some other uh, element that suggests how ugly this is all getting and how much worse it can all become. Uh, a bombing of, a, of, the, of the largest nuclear power plant in, in Europe the other night, uh, last night, by, by Russian. Uh, <laughs> apparently, no damage, no major damage done. But who on earth would even run the risk of doing that? 
They've already taken Chernobyl. Chernobyl is still a danger zone. What's happening to these poor Russian troops that are up there? Basically, did they know they were going to be putting themselves in, in a danger zone and having to hang out there uh, in order to uh, fulfill some kind of uh, crazy strategic notion that if we hold all the power sources, we could turn power on and off, and that'll make things easier for us to ultimately, what, take over the political side of the country, and they'll eventually all just cave. And I, 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 I even wonder, if, is there a strategic notion of where this goes? If, you, if you're willing to actually bomb a nuclear power plant into your control, something that insane, is there any thought process about what you really want to do with that power plant? Where is the decision-making process coming from? Putin... And, and, and Lavrov, his foreign ministers, what, what, no, we, we will not, we have no, 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 no nuclear weapons. But up until two days before the invasion of, of Ukraine, uh, Putin said he wasn't going to invade Ukraine. You, I remember so clearly there was this, there was this, um, there, were, there were a group of kids, there was a singing or a dance competition all the way out in the east of the country, right near the Russian border. And mothers were bringing their kids and they were doing a show within a day or so of the start of the invasion. No one really believed any of this could happen. And it's happening. It's happening day by day. And the, the, the bubble, the, 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 the arrow of this, the movement of this, is not just what the Russians do. It's how we feel. It's how we react. No, you can't unring the bell. You can't stop. You can't undo what, what Putin has put into play. You can't, you can't undo an invasion. You have to be taken out of the position Will, will this be another Af Russian Afghanistan situation where they're in there for, I don't know, a dozen years, however long they were in there, and, and ultimately having to just pick up and leave? Is that where this goes? Can that happen with a neighboring country? Can that happen with NATO on the other side of it? Is that possible? I, I, don't, I don't see how. Can we just allow the Russians to continually play this game? Will Putin actually, is his game actually to just stop once he has Ukraine? Or being under constant pressure and being and having the entire country of Russia basically brought to its knees financially, economically, every other way, technologically, culturally, becoming a pariah country? Can we imagine that it'll just be the equivalent of Russia in Afghanistan? I don't see this. What I don't see, I don't see, I don't see, I'm getting obviously way ahead of the facts here. The facts are that there's still an invasion going on and that Putin hasn't achieved whatever the hell his major goal was. But I'm thinking ahead here. At some point, this has to end. How do we end it when every indication seems to be that it's only going to get bigger, that there are little incremental things that, that seem to happen 
that reminds you that there's just so much room for all of this anger to basically still come out from us, that we have a really unquenched capacity for letting out our own frustration and angers, much, much of it about our own incapacity to function well among ourselves. But we're able now to direct it at Russia. We are sublimating our own sense of insecurity about our own national situation. And we're directing it at the Russians. And they're even more irrational than us. Think think of a a really crazy... There's this wacky analogy, but but the, the, the more I think about it, maybe it isn't so wacky. Russia and the Republican Party have the same problem. I'm quite serious about this. They are both in the grips of a single individual who everyone knows is a little nuts, but who has enough uh, popular support, is that it? Or has enough control over enough levers to keep everybody at bay, yet everyone knows, certainly in the Republican side of things, everyone knows that they'll be far better off without Trump. And I'm, and I'm quite certain, I, I, I can't say this with absolute certainty, but I'm quite certain that more and more Russians understand they'd be far better off without Putin. Now, he basically has, from what we can see now, has turned himself into a total dictator. If there were any question that he was really an elected president, forget that. That's a, lot, that's a load of crap. He is a dictator in every sense of the word, in every sense of the ancient Soviet way of looking at these things. This guy is in control, and more so because you add the financial control aspect that wasn't there, at least not to this extent, under the old Soviet days. There's a lot of money and a lot of people with a lot of money at stake here, and they're playing with, they need the West to have some place to protect and hold on to that money and to spend it, quite frankly, and to send their kids to the best schools and everything else. You got to play this game with the West. And all of that is at risk right now because Vladimir basically is being allowed to run rampant within the halls of the Kremlin. Anything he says is there. Today, there was a a new rule put out. It was passed this morning. Uh, I heard this. I heard this on America. I think I heard this on BBC this morning that uh, just a quickly pushed through rule. Anyone attempting, any Russian attempting to offer a counter narrative just reporting, and reporters this is aimed at, obviously, or I guess anyone on the street technically, but reporters, if you're offering a counter-narrative to the Ukrainian invasion other than the government line, you could be subject to as much as 15 years imprisonment. 
Now, I, I, I see people like Keir Simmons from uh, NBC uh, on a daily basis reporting he's standing in the same position. There are a series of government buildings behind him. Uh, there is a, uh, a main traffic artery over his shoulder. He is in Russia, and he's reporting things that clearly, and offering opinions that clearly, if this law has just been pushed through, would, if he were a Russian citizen, wind him in jail for 15 years, yet this is still being reported. I, I question how much longer you're going to have Western reporters standing before obvious Russian uh, symbolism, standing in Moscow and telling these stories. Will Putin attempt to, will they keep the foreigners in just so they can use them as a, as a shield or a flak and, and, and misinterpret what they're saying as a basis for reinterpreting Russian propaganda or a way of pointing to look at the lies that are being put out there and point to the foreigners as a source of that? Or will I think the more likely situation, foreign reporters will be kicked out at some point, which, of course, would be a symbol to Russians that, wait a minute, this is a hell of a lot worse than we think once you start really kicking out the foreigners, especially the reporters. Now, so now if you're a Russian, you could, get, you could go to jail for 15 years for something that a foreign reporter is allowed to say openly. Where does that wind up? I'll, 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 I'll go a step further. And again, this is, this is all happening at breakneck speed. All of these changes are coming at us. Things that no one thought about. Okay, now the Special Olympics is about to start in Beijing, and the Russian and the, uh, and the, and the, Bel and the Belarusian teams have been kicked off. They can't appear. Oh, it gets better than that. Anna Netrebko arguably the greatest Turandot of all time, uh, who uh, performed it last fall at the Met, um, has just basically been banned from the Met. I was going to go to, I was going to go to, I was going to see, see her for the second time. I, I saw her once last fall. I was going to go to a performance in April with a bunch of guys, many of whom are on our Noble Hearts Forum panels. Bunch of us are... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, comparatively speaking, late to loving opera. I spent many decades not so crazy about it, have really grown incredibly fond of it as I've, as I've grown older. That's well, for another time in discussion. But Netrebka's gone. Uh, uh, Valery Gergiev, the, uh, the, the, uh, the conductor, uh, kicked off the podium about a week ago. Uh, literally told, no, you're not going to appear. Or maybe, maybe he withdrew knowing it was going to happen. They had to fly a conductor in from Berlin to perform uh, whatever he was going to be conducting that night at the uh, at Carnegie Hall. And this is going to keep going, and this is going to keep spiraling on as we go. Do we ever, or how do we, Dare we begin now to think about how we're going to undo these things? D do, we, do we choke ourselves? Sh should we be allowing these feelings to play out and not thinking about undoing them at this point and simply recognizing that there's an, an inevitability to our own reactions and feelings and saying, okay, let's... Let's just go through this. Or 
do we say, wait a minute, this thing is really railroading. It's, 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 this, is, this is moving faster and, and it's picking up steam. All of this anger towards Russia and Putin. Where, where will this invariably wind up? I don't even want to hear myself say it. But can we take... A can we take an inevitable military confrontation off the table? And we, we can argue, well, you know, America would never be the first, or, or NATO would never be the first. But if Putin is crazy enough to go ahead, do what he's doing right now, and he's frustrated, and he's lying, and he's making it all up, and everybody knows he's doing what he's doing, and, he know, and they know he's lying and making it up and trying to make it sound good, and it's not good in any way, and, he's, and there is more and more uh, ordinance coming in from via Poland and making its way to Kiev and every place else. And the insurgency that invariably is going to rise around and behind his troop movements and all the kids that are Russian troops who basically are realizing that they're fighting their relatives, they're fighting people who they thought were really countrymen themselves and who maybe they thought would welcome them with open arms and they realize that they're basically having to destroy the homes and the lives of these fellows of theirs, these, these people who they consider part of themselves. In many cases, there are intermarriages and there are people who live here. and they're, they're, It's linked. It's, it's, it's close all over the country, all over Ukraine. And, and, and you're hearing stories of, of Russian soldiers kind of leaving their equipment someplace and walking off. Sometimes uh, uh, there's a few anecdotal stories of, of Russians literally surrendering to the Ukrainian counterparts. How far and how much of that will continue, I don't know. But this whole notion that the Russians could find themselves in a running insurgency post uh, removal, post-insertion of puppet government and, and, and find themselves in an ongoing insurgency with average Ukrainians and, and munitions coming in from the West, that's what'll keep it going. Your Stinger missiles will be coming in. All of your different guns and ammunition are all going to be flowing through Poland, finding its way somehow to insurgents. Do you think that can continue for any length of time before Putin makes a move against Poland, makes a move or claims it's coming from Latvia or Lithuania or Estonia, Slovakia, Romania? Any place else in mind? How, how, long, how long can that continue? How do you stop this guy? That's really what this comes down to. It sounds like, again, and this is what I'm hearing on this side, it sounds like it's a one-person war. Vladimir made a decision. We follow fearless leader. How many people really, really want to continue following fearless leader in this situation? How, how many people will ultimately benefit from this? How many more will be destroyed? Even the oligarchs, they, they know this, this can't work. Oh, don't worry, I'll put all my money in Bitcoin if you can get your hands on it, and then if Bitcoin will go along with you. We'll, we'll defy international. Yeah, if you can get your hands on it, and Bitcoin will save me. I... I, I Oh, that's another 
10 shows worth of the insanity of Bitcoin and everything else and all these other cryptocurrency situations. That's, that's, that's not, it's gamble. You just, you just throw your money in something and you, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I just can't help being concerned about all of this. Now, in America, um, I am convinced, and I've said it before on, on these microphones, that the Republican Party has been hoping for a long time that someone, one of the investigatory agencies out there, will please just indict Trump already, get him out of the way so another one of our idiots can basically run I don't know, uh, you know, uh, DeSantis in Florida, whoever the hell else thinks that they'd be more Trumpier than Trump, but basically run a little more rational and stop being quite so crazy and stop talking about the big steal and trying to find a way to move this party back towards something like sane positions. And who knows, maybe even having a platform and maybe even having a legislative agenda. God help us. That's what they're looking for, hopefully, in 24. Ironically, it looks as though they might, just because of the way Americans are, uh, take back either the House or Senate in, in 2022. Another story, another show. But I'm saying that there is, there are the mechanisms of government that are, in fact, functionally moving around and at Donald Trump at this point, which could and probably will result in an indictment of him from some source. For some godforsaken reason, the new uh, DA in, in, in Manhattan... Uh, who's been taking all kinds of heat because it sounded like he was going to go easy on criminals. He, for whatever reason, has decided not to follow what his predecessor was doing, and he will not, he's, putting out, he's put out signals, as it were, that he does not intend or does not expect to indict Donald Trump and his family for business-dealing situations. Uh, instantaneously, two of his prosecutors quit. I don't know what the hell is going on there. I do know that the state investigation will bring all kinds of pain and could lead to a criminal investigation. I do know that the Georgia uh, investigation uh, will continue and, will, and could very likely lead to a criminal indictment. I do know that based on what was just put out by the January 6th Select Committee that Donald Trump has been, that they have essentially defined Donald Trump as a co-conspirator in a criminal conspiracy basically to prevent uh, the re results of the election from being acted on and taken and, and basically uh, uh, affected via the Congress. A crime. They've said it straight out. Now, they haven't officially, quote-unquote, reported that. They haven't reported it out to the Justice Department. But they've put out every signal that they're going to and that these are crimes. So that, so that the Republican Party can take some, I think, comfort in knowing that Donald will find himself uh, in court and maybe in a jumpsuit 
at some point or restricted in some way that would make it reasonable to say, well, he can't really run for president again. And it's such a it's a pity. It was a witch hunt. It was horrible. It was terrible. And our Donald, we love you. We love you. We love you. And it's the worst thing that ever happened. And we've got to basically get the Democrats out of the White House and once and for all. But the person saying it is not Donald. Donald's not running for president. It's DeSantis or some equivalent loony or someone who basically up to now has been, oh, he's not a loony, he's a bright guy, but basically willing to just play the sycophant and now having to make the shift into rational life form when he wants to run on a national stage. But it'll give the Republican Party a chance to revive itself in some form. It's going to take time. The Russians don't have that option, it would appear. Okay, and, and, and understand again what, what I was saying earlier. So much of our American frustration with our own system, I believe, is being acted out, is being directed at, is being sublimated and basically focused on what's happening with Russia and Ukraine. We're looking at them really in a weird way, looking at ourselves and saying, how could we allow this to become as bad as it is? And no, someone's worse than us. It's an old, it's an old psychological kind of a, a state it doesn't solve us. It may, in, a, in, a, in an indirect way, have a positive ending simply because we find some basis for coming together. And maybe it'll make the need to get rid of Donald as the standard bearer for the party all the more immediate and significant. I don't know that either. But what I do know is that this, this, this sudden surge of... of, of, of uh, reaction to Vladimir and Russia and the incredible number of little tendrils and, and, and sub-effects that it's having and the rapidity with which these things are all taking place is something that no one, no one could have anticipated or maybe someone in some, in some scholarly thesis uh, treatise uh, at some point has discussed how fast things could fall apart if Russia ever went ahead and started a war with one of its neighbors directly uh, that wasn't wearing uh, turbans and, and, and to you know, that wasn't Syria, that wasn't, that wasn't Middle Eastern, that looked white, that had blue eyes and blonde hair, and that was right on the edge of Europe that was sitting on NATO's doorstep. Someone, I wonder, that there must be treatises out there about what could happen and how quickly it would happen. And it's happening. And I don't, end, I don't propose, I, I have no way of ending this segment with some kind of prediction. I know that we're not in a good place. I know that the Russians are going to have to deal with this. Putin cannot be allowed to run roughshod over the planet, even over Ukraine. This has to stop. How the Russians ultimately wind up doing this, I don't know. If and when NATO has to get pulled into this on a military level, I don't know. Could nuclear become an option? I don't know. Is it enough for people to, to stay awake and worry about? Yeah. 
Is there hope? Well, the hope always comes in recognizing that at some point, somewhere, there's the possibility of change. And if there were ever a moment where change was needed, where some kind of rational change agent or possibility of change became apparent to enough people, this is the moment. The only way we can do that is by talking about this. This is why we're talking about this this morning. Facing, you begin, the, the, step, the first step is always facing the fear. And it's, it's fear-inducing, everything that we're seeing out there. And I think uh, I, I have to, in, in, the, in the moment that we are at right now, there isn't a hell of a lot more. There isn't, there isn't a whole bunch of, here is the happy ending. Here's how this is going to go and work so well. Here's how it will make everything perfect. I can, we could talk about that, but I think, I think we have to allow ourselves to face the fear that we are facing and to put a name on it, to declare all those things that could go wrong and that that will give us a stronger sense of what it is we want to avoid. Say it. Viscerally, feel the fear about all of this. Don't, don't talk around it. Don't pretend away from it. Feel the fear that comes with all of this. And then, and then begin suppressing that fear through a process of envisioning change and trying to make as many people as possible come along with us. Now, it's not impossible. This is how it always happens. But if we don't face our fears, I can assure you, we will be overwhelmed by them. So today, on Friday the 4th of March, 2022, I've just spent 45 minutes facing our fears. Let's see where it goes from here. I, I can tell you from a, from a programming point of view, that, that's a, a weird segue, but, but a, uh, a, a welcome one from my perspective. <laughs> David Bach, this being Friday, will be with us in just a few moments. But before then, oh, if there were ever, ever, ever a moment where I've looked forward to saying this, please let us just sit back, think, meditate, feel some peace, take hope from the greatest of all American original art forms, a little jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to Center Left Radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident and as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Center Left Radio, thank you. You're listening to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz, and you're listening to us on the web at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. You're listening to us as either a radio loop or as a podcast, both of those links right there at www.centerlefttalkradio.com. Well, I'll say it again, centerlefttalkradio.com. And what else is right here is our Friday show. And who else is right here is who's always here with our Friday show, thank goodness, uh, because we need that insight. God knows I do. And I think uh, the reason you're here and listening on Friday is that you have the same opinion of this gentleman who I will introduce only by saying, David, what's on your mind? Well, there's a lot. Uh, well, let, let me phrase it. Um, there's things going. So, uh, if you want to hear more of what I'm talking about, you can find me on Twitch at Fresh Faces New Ideas, Twitch.tv/slash Fresh Faces New Ideas. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, at Faces Ideas. Um, I currently stream about uh, 7:30 on Monday, Wednesday, Fridays ish. But my uh, all my information is up when I do actually set up the streams. Um, look, there's. The, the biggest story is obviously Ukraine. Um, that's, you know, that's going to dominate the headlines until there's an agreement. Um, there's so many things going on. First off, a no-fly zone is a terrible idea. Wait, wait, wait. You, wait let me, let me, I, have to, I have to stop right there. You said this is going to go on until there's an agreement? Is that the word you uh, mean? Until, like, until the fighting at least is down to, like, a, like it's not on this level. Like, there's going to have to be an agreement. It's either an agreement or an insurgency is what's going to end this. 
and I don't know what the agreement's going to be. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's why I bring this up. I was, the earlier segment that I just did before you came on, David, was about the fact that there's really no clear sense of how this ends, but I agree with you. It has to end somehow, and the de-escalation of all the world tensions and all of the hostilities that are, that are just burgeoning at super high speed around the planet has got to ease down also. But I just don't see it just yet. I, I, well, in any event, go on. I'm sorry. Well, look, the uh, the good news is, like, uh, that Sunday where we got the uh, Vladimir Putin is putting his, his nuclear arsenal on higher alert is less of a threat now. Because, unfortunately, what was happening was the Russians weren't using all of their, their, their power. They were kind of just aiming for military targets. They were uh, being a little more restrained. They've taken off those restraints, which means they had an escalation to go before nuclear. Um, it it does appear that they're killing civilians now. Yeah. Um, although they did agree to a corridor to allow uh, refugees out, which is this refugee wave is going to be enormous. Like we're talking, it it, it doubles like every every. There's like two hundred thousand every day. Um, I think we're close to a million refugees at this point. Oh, is it well exceeded a million from what I'm hearing from the UN? You know, that's you know oh. for what it's worth. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're. Uh, the good news is they're not being responded to in the same way that uh, um, that the Afghanistan refugees are, are where they're uh, they're terrorists and uh, we should uh, not let them out and uh, everyone should hate them. Let's be let's be honest. They're blue eyed white guys. Yeah, that was that was pretty wild. As yeah, well. I mean that's what um, that's what we got. We have blonde haired, blue eyed white guys coming across the borders. Hungary doesn't seem to mind it that much. If these were if these were Middle Easterners, they'd be going out of their minds, of course. And so would the rest of Europe. No, but we have blue eyed white guys. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. I'm I'm calling it what it is, and I'm not saying that that makes it bad or it shouldn't happen, but it, it helps, <laughs> you know, in certain quarters. Yeah. No, it's. It is, it is a totally different uh, reality. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Look, I don't know how long this is going to go. I, I don't see the end point. I think they're going to have a third round of talks Monday. I don't I don't remember when they, they said the next set of talks are after uh, yesterday. Yeah. Um, but like, I don't know. Look, there's not much more America could do. Uh, but but it, I, but the pressure I feel, David, and again, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I just want to I'll throw this out and then I'm, I'll back away. But there seems to be growing pressure to do something more for the whole of for the whole of Europe, for all of NATO, for America. The, the, the horror over this, I feel as though we're, we're redirecting all of our own pent up anger at ourselves. All of this feeling that we can't get anything done in this country and we're sublimating it towards Putin and Russia at this point. And, and I and I worry about how far and how fast those feelings will express themselves on the part of Americans. And, I, and like you, I don't see how this ends. Because, yeah, they're talking about a corridor to let people out. Well, I, 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 I'm going to be a little more nefarious in my thinking here. And say that that's simply a car that in the Russian mindset is more people that we get out that car, fewer insurgents behind us once we take over Kiev and, and put a puppet government in, which no one's going to listen to anyway. So we get the insurgents out. It's, a, it's allegedly supposed to be also a mechanism for bringing uh, humanitarian aid in. No, I think it's a way of getting hopefully potential insurgents out. And I don't see how this ends just yet. I don't. I just. I don't see it coming to any kind of an ending. I see this is just the beginning 
of of one phase of this whole thing. And I'll well, stop now. The beauty of this is for joints. I say the beauty is yeah. this invasion shows that Putin is not going to attack NATO. They do not have the forces to do that. Well, oh. he has nuclear weapons. You see, he did, he's, he said he wasn't going to attack Ukraine. And two days yeah, after the last time he said he did. Let's be clear. Like, if he tried to invade Poland or if he tried to invade uh, one of the other uh, uh, NATO countries. They'd be crushed. Other yes. than, They'd be crushed. Other than NATO. Yeah. Uh, other than nuclear. His army can't handle this. Yeah. I mean, the the convoy, just for example, the convoy. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a, uh, a precedent for this. It's called the Highway of Hell. Yeah. Like, in Vietnam, they did the same. They destroyed a convoy with that, with, like, outdated ships then. Yeah. Like, if that existed today, NATO would have obliterated it. Yeah. In, like, absolutely. 10 yeah. Um, they don't have the forces to do this. But um, if Putin is as crazy as he seems, are, nucle- are nukes off the table? I think they are. I think that at some point— I hope you're right. Because, look, I'm either right about it or no one's going to complain because they're they're, they're all dead. Mm, That's the the reality. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, The other thing is we can't can't have Lindsey Graham go on television anymore. I don't know if you caught him last night. No, I did Uh, not. I heard about this. Tell tell our listeners. I heard about it. I did not see it. It basically said, is anyone going to shoot him in the back? Um— to Putin. He's like, is anyone, is there any Brutuses in, in Russia who want to, you know, like kill him? Which you can't be saying, because he said, he tweeted it. And he then he actually, said, he like, actually said that he actually put it out. I mean, this is, this is, see, this is the frustration. This is, you, you take the, 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 the wackiness that has taken control of the Republican party and all of their anger and frustration. And now it's being sublimated towards Putin. And they're saying things that they would never, ever dare say, or probably know they can't really say without prosecution about Biden or anybody else. And they're actually threatening death and bodily harm. This is nuts. You can't allow it to get this way because this is the stuff that keeps that keeps ratcheting itself upward. That's that's very dangerous. Yeah. And also, there's another thing we have to talk about this. Um, it's it's the actual Russian people. So I know Swalwell did this. I don't know if other people have done this where they're like, yeah, you should throw all the Russian students out of schools. Like, no. Like, there's there's a difference in the sanctions and, like, the economic crippling that's happening yeah. and then things that target, like, the Russian people. Yeah, like, yeah, there is yeah. a um, There was an oncology uh, group that's like, hey, look, we're pulling out of Russia. Like, why? Do Russians deserve to have cancer because you pulled out? There was uh, the Russian, the Cats Judging Federation has banned all Russian cats. Are the cats invading uh, Ukraine? I mean, they might want to, but they can't. Um, like you have to understand, like certain sets of these sanctions, they have to be targeted at the economy. There's hurting the people maliciously, is is isn't effective. Um, like as much as you know, companies want to say, "Oh, I want to be part of this movement. I want to get our name out there." There are times when you need to sit down and not do anything. It's kind of similar to um, this is like a really uh, well-known uh, mistake. Um, one time there was a Twitter uh, thread tweeting about um, why I left. It was about uh, abuse. It was about uh, spousal abuse. Yeah, yeah. And the the Twitter company, the the Twitter account of DiGiorno didn't realize what it was about or is why I stayed. And they, res- they responded to it that because he had DiGiorno. They're not aware of what they were talking about. Oh, so my like God. The, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, sometimes it's better for a company just not to do anything. Like, wh- they, you have to... 
Like going after Russian bars is not going to stop in, in America. It's not going to stop. No, Poop. no, no, no. Of course not. Uh, just, just like, just like um, uh, when uh, the uh, when when uh, Macron spoke before the U.S. Congress and upset a lot of uh, people with his remarks about the fact that, that Trump was wrong, et cetera, et cetera. Suddenly, in parts of the country, they were boycotting French wine. I remember this a few years back. No, none of that works. Or more historically, freedom fries. Yeah, right, right. Freedom fr <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, although I don't know that many people ever serve. Uh, f well, maybe in France they serve wine with, uh, with, with their freedom fries or whatever, their pommes frites. But uh, the thing here is the, the speed, the strength within with which all of this is happening. I, I, have, a, uh, I have a personal version of this that, that that's going to affect something uh, I, I have uh, tickets with a bunch of uh, friends to go catch uh, Turandot at the Met we've seen it once earlier uh, in last fall it was brilliant and Anna Netrebka who is the famous Russian soprano who has been doing this role forever she is literally associated with it but is known to be a close friend of Putin well she was told yesterday guess what Anna uh, you're formally uninvited from performing at the Met. And this seems to be filtering down through a number of Russian performers. Uh, this, is, this, is, uh, this is the point that you're making there. Can we... Well, I mean, they're a close personal friend of Putin making their life a little more miserable. Well, is, well is, how, yeah. how, how far does this go... And is there really a way, I mean, we could talk about, I think it's important to talk about whether it makes sense, whether it's reasonable to put parameters on whether or not it should be someone who has a, is a known friend of Putin, et cetera, et cetera. But, but these things have a way of emotionally snowballing. And I, I don't think we've even begun to see how far this whole thing can snowball. This is why I'm, I'm really, honest to God, concerned about the whole nuclear issue at this point, because Putin is in a corner, and unlike the American system where the Republicans can count on the Democrats to maybe eventually, in the next year, uh, ultimately uh, indict and hopefully convict Donald and take him off the playing field so that they can get back to being something like normal, they don't seem to have that option in Russia right now. And, and they've actually gone to the other extreme where they've actually invaded a neighbor country and a country right on the border of, uh, of NATO. Uh, I'm, I'm not feeling particularly analytical at this point. I, I, what can I say? No, you're, you're right. And we're also we're talking about like billions of lives as well. Exactly. The, so exactly, let's yeah. you brought this up. Um, what are your thoughts on the Eastman thing? Because I've read at least his response to the other to Mike Pence's lawyer. And the one where he says, hey, look, you know, just break the uh, the Electoral Count Act a little more. Um, that seems like a pretty glaring omission uh, that he did something wrong. Absolutely. Is, Absolutely. Uh, my, uh, my general understanding is judges don't like when you write down that you're doing crimes in letters. Exactly, yeah. And, and, and the thing here, the only, the only thing, and I, I don't think there's even a question, no, no serious lawyer is going to question that Eastman basically was was in the middle of a conspiracy. The only thing, his his only claim, of course, is going to be attorney-client privilege. But 
we have an absolute red letter exception to attorney-client privilege, and that is when the attorney and client are participating in a criminal enterprise. In order to break the privilege, you basically have to show that there was at least the possibility of a criminal enterprise, and then a court would rule on whether all of the otherwise private communications would be admissible. That's part of what was just put out by the January 6th Select Committee explaining in excruciating detail what it was and why it is that they believe that Eastman's stuff must be let out. And if that's even beyond that, Eastman was not technically operating as counsel to Donald Trump. He'd never been retained. He happened to be a lawyer who was working with Donald Trump. So I don't see this as a bar to the committee getting the information, A, and B, ultimately I think Eastman is going to be at least as guilty as Trump. And also the the files they're looking for are not his personal files. No, they're not. Whatever school he teach he taught at, and that school has in its disclaimer, hey, you don't have the privacy to these, yeah, these uh, yeah, yeah, files. Yeah, yeah, like his this is this is essentially as laughable as the uh, the executive privilege claim that Bannon and. Um, and Peter Navarro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 all it's all ultimately laughable. And uh, I'm a little disappointed that the New York uh, uh, district attorney appears the new one appears to not be interested in continuing the criminal investigation, or at least suggesting that there's a good chance of a criminal indictment coming down on Trump. That's why two of his uh, two of his lead prosecutors uh, or investigatory attorneys uh, quit on him recently. But there's still, of course, uh, Georgia, and there's still New York State, and there's still, of course, what's happening with January 6th. And God knows what else out there in the wings that could come down and crush Trump at any given time. And that'll do the Republicans a favor. As far as I'm concerned, we'll be doing Democrats, we'll be doing Republicans a favor. Get him off the political playing field. Then there's the issue of Putin. I'm less worried. Look, if getting Trump out of the way happens, I'm happy with it. I don't think there is a more destructive force in American politics than him. That's right. I also don't think he has anywhere near the power that he currently no, has, I, that no, he did no. before. Especially if you watch what's happening with Putin right now and watch how what he's doing and how he can work. There's no comparison. Trump is all imagery. Is, it's all imagery. The, the other thing is, like, the real issue with the Republican Party is— they're just abject cruelty. Like their stars are just either incredibly dumb or bad people or both. Yeah. Like, okay. Let's, I'll buy that. To just oppose this, uh, with, with what was happening, the the invasion of Ukraine started on the same day as CPAC. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. See the this and it overlapped with what the Freedom Convoy was supposed to show up at DC. There is no greater example of how much these people are just essentially giant babies than those two events compared to what's happening in Ukraine. Exactly. They have spent exactly. the last two years. Like th- This is the funniest thing to me. <laughs> the vast majority of people who say that I would pick up arms to defend this country because if it's invaded, the 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 rah-rah, the guys who, you know, I have to— I have to be strapped at all time. I need my 17 guns to go get a coffee. Because yeah, yeah, I'm a yeah, yeah. Guy. All that crap, yeah. <clears throat> They're all lurkers. These are the same people who have spent the last two years bitching and moaning and crying about wearing a mask. Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. They are the softest people in existence. At yeah. no point has there been a weaker, like mentally weaker group of people than this group of people. 
There is <laughs> Be beautifully put. Beautifully put, David. Yeah. I'm a, they I'm are a without a doubt. Like they always complain that my generation is the softest generation, even though we're actually tougher than almost any generation. Just because by the time I'm I'm almost thirty, I have been through I think three major economic collapses in the last my lifetime and COVID and all of this you guys are going to wind up being a hell of a lot tougher than a lot of other generations have been yes i totally yeah. agree we're going to be poorer but no due to no decisions of our own <laughs> like um that's the that's the difference like the people complaining about this it's not gen z's it's not millennials it's the boomers yeah yeah They're thank the you ones thank you thank you for bringing that point up it's a very important point yeah and it, it just makes the idea that they've been fighting tyranny nonsense it yeah. just shows you that it's always been hollow nonsense and then we have just the the the, the rampant white supremacy in this party um the the fact that three separate members including now there was actually supposed to be a fourth important person so trump's former head of ice was supposed to speak at the the uh the white supremacist con uh, conference with uh, nick fuentes however that man actually had two brain cells um, and his response basically is like, look, all of these, all of these conservative packs, they all, all these groups, they sound the same, like their names are the same. And then when I heard from Nick Fuentes talk, I started Googling yeah. and figure out who he was. Yeah. And then he left. Marjorie Taylor Greene, on the other hand, followed up Nick Fuentes on basically when he was just spouting nonsense, like, uh, pro-Putin propaganda, um, like white supremacy stuff. And he, and she followed that up like immediately after. Then she said, oh, I don't know who he is, but. The thing with that is that's a lot because this same fucking thing happened last year with Paul Gosar. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, then yeah. it happened again when they tried to do their white nationalist party. And then it happened a third time when he canceled an event with Nick Fuentes. Yeah, you know, David, you're raising such an important, important, important point that that much of what these far Trumpian types are doing, when you look at it, and you don't have to look at it particularly hard, but it's 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 damned buffoonery. It's it's idiocy. It's stupidity. It's childishness. It's prattling. It it really has this little kid kind of feel to it, and then you then you just turn your gaze east and look at what this man is doing what putin is doing in ukraine and you and 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 it's just the juxtaposition of the two and everything that the trumpians are doing seems so absolutely ridiculous it's it's so childish it's it's such an acting out it's such a little kid game thing and it's so lacking in substance and you see what happens when the real world is 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 superimposed which in my mind by the way is one of the reasons why there seems to be this this congealing of emotion on the part of both republicans and democrats focusing on and and being absolutely against putin at this point it's it's almost a relief not to have to deal with the stupidity that you're hearing day in and day out and that you're describing here. Yeah. Well, on the other hand, there's also some, uh, there's a good, so we got the Texas primaries, uh, like Tuesday. Yeah. Um, well, I guess we're not, we're, we're not going to get away from it completely. Are we? No, <laughs> uh, no, 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 no we're not going to get away from it. To it. <laughs> uh, Jessica Cisanero, uh, is probably going to beat Henry Cuero on the runoff. Um, the, the uh, the other the the town councilman in uh, San the San Antonio area won by a lot, so he's just going to be the the nominee for that. Yeah. Um, Louis Gomer uh, lost his seat in Congress because he's chosen not to rerun, so he could run for 
attorney general, and then he lost by 26 points. Yeah, yeah, good uh, for Louis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is unfortunate because I'd rather have more Louis Gomers than Marjorie Taylor Greens in Congress because, like, he may be dumb, but he's not like as vindictive as she is. Boy, but, and he, I, I but he's so dumb. Bureau, he's so it, dumb. Him oh. asking the Bureau of Land Management if we can move the moon to deal with climate change may be the funniest video I think I've ever seen. <laughs> um, it It is, like, incredibly funny. Um, the the other thing is Greg Abbott won, like, ah. by a lot. Now, I I think this is a good thing for, for a reason that part of the reason that Texas has been so cartoonishly villainous is that Greg Abbott was afraid of the people who were running against him. He was afraid of attacks from the right. That's why they removed the... Um, the LGBTQ suicide uh, website from uh, link from the, the the government's website. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's yeah, part yeah. of why he has done his um, his trans ban in the way he did. Well, he it's, by it. the way, a, a Texas court put a temporary ban on one of the one of the efforts, uh, one of the immediate effects of that. One particular family of a trans group was a trans teenager was going to be investigated with the assumption that the the treatment the child was getting was child abuse, and a court finally just put a put a hold on it. Not the whole law, Wait, but at least on that. But, but it's even it's even worse than that. The person, the family who's investigated. Worked for Child Protective Services for Texas. And I didn't, I didn't hear that. I oh god! I mean, come on. This is this is like you can't you can't make this her. you can't make this up. Oh, that's and just the reason this happened is because she went to her boss after this was announced to ask their boss, "What does this mean for me?" And then she was sent home, and now she's investigated. Oh my god! I mean, how sick! This it's it's. It's dumb sick, though. It's, it's, it's silly. It's cartoonish. Car th thank you. It's it's cartoonishly villainous. That's how dumb this shit is. I, uh, wow. <laughs> oh, and look, my God. None of this matters. It, none, of, none of the outrage for any of this doesn't matter uh, unless two things happen. One, they actually passed some laws to defend some of these rights. Uh, well, we clearly can't codify Roe v. Wade. Joe Manchin helped kill that yesterday or a couple days ago, although apparently he's back to the table. But just get whatever you want from him and get the bill signed now because in two weeks, Joe Manchin can flip his entire mind. Uh, again, just write whatever he wants. Just have him, you write the bill. We'll pass it, and, that, and that's it as soon as possible. Um, the other thing is there was a huge walkout in Florida yesterday by high school kids um, uh, to protest the Don't Say Gay bill. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I heard about the this. Thing. If you are 18 and you do not come out to vote, your protests are pointless. Yeah. If you do not do the bare minimum, I mean, it takes more effort to 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 do a protest than it does to vote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you yeah. don't show up, your protesting is pointless. It's 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 just virtue singular. You that's know, the difference, and that's what I think the beauty of the the just cartoonish villainy of some of these people is that. Unless you're like truly indoctrinated in republicanism, or you've like you've grown up in this anti-SJW bubble, or you're just you like you really are a terrible person, it's it's very difficult to find a policy reason, essentially because they do not exist, yeah. to vote for a Republican. Yeah, yeah. And I think most, and as generations move on, they become more progressive anyway, at least socially, and that's where the the Republican Party is trying to win is on the social issues. If these people turn out, there's a good chance they can stem whatever tide comes from um, 
from independence flipping. You know, you're, 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 what you're saying makes so much sense. Again, David, uh, I, the entire the entire trajectory of this country since since World War II basically has been to increasingly move towards progressive policies. I, I would go back to, I would go back even before, I would go within, if we take Roosevelt, although all the pushback that he was getting, but beginning with the News Deal and going to now, ups and downs, sometimes two steps forward, one step back, but the, but the general trajectory has always been progressive, and it's always been led, or, or increasingly led over time, by younger generations buying into a a progressive mindset. I, 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 I was just. This was just hitting me as, as you were talking. Uh, I was thinking of when you and I met, and and we met at a rally. Uh, that basically uh, had the a march for our lives rally. That's right, the march for our lives rally, and and basically uh, we listened to a bunch of high school kids talking about guns and 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 destruction and how and how this would be ruining their lives it was a few years ago now and i'm wondering i'm just wondering how many of those kids have gone on to vote regularly they're all now presumably every kid that spoke there that day it's just a thought are all of an age where they can all vote and and one would only hope that it wasn't just for a day of a rally that felt good and, and was had a kind of a, an emotionally cathartic kind of an impact on their lives and they were with their friends and they listened to speeches and politicians were there and and uh, I remember we interviewed a few of them and everything else and but one would only hope that what you're suggesting that this has got to be more than the protest du jour. It has to be. It has to be acculturated. It has to be pulled into your life. The notion that you vote to get rid of this buffoonery is necessary. That it doesn't go away. That you don't just turn the dial because it's so silly and so dumb. You reduce it mentally to the equivalent of some bad TV show. No, we've got to vote in this country. And 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 your point is so important for that. All right. Thank you. Yeah. And it's like well, the, did it say, did it did it sound like I was about to do a rap? <laughs> uh, right, yeah. What else do you have, Dave? I'm sorry. What else you got? Um, well, that's that's well. Then I should have then I should have continued on. Then I should have. The, the, the last thing I would say is, look, the reason I I didn't watch the entirety of the, uh, the the State of the Union, yeah, is because it's basically cheerleading. Yeah, um, it's a, it's a giant pep rally. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It would have been way more effective if he had said, look, we passed the American Rescue Plan. We raised 20 million children out of poverty. Because every single Republican and Joe Manchin is pro-child poverty, 3 million children in January went back into poverty because they ended those tax breaks. Yeah. You want to get those children yeah. out of poverty? Republicans are blocking it. You want to, uh, you want to have uh, better green energy? Republicans are blocking it. You want to have better health care? Republicans are blocking it. You want to you want to actually do these things that the the majority of people want? They're blocking me. Tell your senators, ask your senators why I don't give a shit about you, and then that would be a more effective speech than what he gave. Well, th this is where things are going. Th this is going to be the arguments as we get deeper and deeper into the midterm election cycle. Uh, this is what it has to be. 
the history tells us that you know the first term of uh, the first midterm of a of a of a new president from a different party uh, invariably uh, if they came in and took house and senate they're going to give up at least one of them that's that's just the the story of our history but i wonder about that i i wonder I don't know what to make of this right now. I'm not going to make any predictions. I, I, you know, I know what history says, but then again, history also might have said that uh, Vladimir Putin would never have invaded Ukraine, or, or the wiser minds would have never said that. I don't know where America really is going any more than I know where Russia is going right now. I know where we need to go. You seem to have a far better image of that than, than, than most people I run across. But where will we be on Election Day 2022? Uh, that's why they play the games. That's why we're here. That's why we're looking, looking at all this, reviewing everything on a week-by-week basis. And uh, the only thing for certain right now is that things will continue to change. But change is what is necessary before we can uh, re-inject hope into a process. David, thanks again for being with us on a Friday. Now I'm doing the real wrap-up, uh, not the, not the make-believe one. Would you please remind people again where they can hear you and see sure. you? Twitch.tv slash Fresh Faces New Ideas, and you can follow me on Twitch at Faces Ideas. Excellent. And with that, why even find a, a quick and cute way to get into it? Uh, oh, let's just listen to a little more jazz. listening to Central Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. There's 
There's no real way to know where this is all going. The one thing we could say for sure about Putin's invasion of Ukraine, it has galvanized, galvanized world opinion and to some extent world action in a way that few things can. If there's one other good thing, it's that we're beginning to realize what a joke, what a clown show Trumpian politics really are in the face of real world issues.